0: Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and avenger. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, What is man that you are mindful of them? Or the son of man that you care for him, and yet you've made him a little lower than God and crowned him with glory and majesty. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Yahweh, our Lord, How majestic is your name in all the earth. You guys can have a seat. When we reflect upon the majesty of creation... It's natural for our hearts to turn towards the responsibility that we hold towards our creator. King David, the king of Israel who penned Psalm 8, was a man after God's own heart. He was a man with ups and downs in his life, with trials and temptations and enemies and a kingdom to run. And yet he wrote some of the most majestic words about the glory of our great God and King. Imagine one summer night after a long day's work in the palace, David takes a moment once the work is done to go out on his balcony and overlook his kingdom. An ancient city is very dark at night, and so the moon would light up the silhouettes of the homes where his subjects lived. Off in the distance where it grew increasingly black, David would look and see if there were enemies approaching, and yet this night it was clear and calm and warm. And when day turns to night and chatter turns to silence, the big questions of life became, begun to emerge into our minds. God, who are you? God, who am I? God, what have you called me to do in this earth? with this life that you've given me. God, am I doing it well? God, are you truly there? Can you hear me? Can you see me? Beyond the stars, are you with me? Those questions start to creep in. In moments of silence, we experience those questions. And some of us avoid the silence. We work hard until it's time to sleep and then wake up and go back to work because we want to avoid the questions. Those questions haunt us because we don't know how we would answer them. So we come home and we turn on the TV or we eat or we drink and we hide because the silence is scary. Have you ever sat in silence and looked upon the creation of God? Stood on the top of a mountain and just gazed upon what lie before you, the valleys and the rivers and the waterfalls and the vast creation, and you couldn't see any human beings. You just saw the, the mighty works of God. It's wonderful and terrifying at the same time. You come down to the ocean and you take a seat on the sand and As you look on upon the waves, at first you just feel like it's beautiful. You see the birds and sometimes you see some fish or some animals out there. And and then you start to think about the breadth of the sea and the depths of the sea and what lurks beneath the waters. You imagine yourself on a little boat out deep in the sea in the midst of a storm and the waves gathering hugely around you and all of a sudden that wonder fills your heart with terror as you realize that you are so small in this world. It's one thing to see a majestic animal from afar, but when you stand next to it and it hovers above you, you realize that you are nothing. You go out away from the city and you lay down and you look up on the stars, and and at first it's a beautiful thing, but as your eyes adjust and you see layer upon layer of stars and galaxies and shooting stars. Your heart fills with that same terror as you realize that you are a very small speck on a big planet, which is a very small speck in a big universe, and you look beyond the stars, and you wonder if there's anyone there. At first you think, okay, this is too big for God to be real. You imagine a bang that started everything, and and the universe expanding and the planets cooling and but then as your mind goes, you wonder, well, what, what was there before that? And we find that when we start wondering about where this universe came from, it, it all lands in this place of faith where we have to trust that something existed before something existed. Is it him? David sat before a big God when he penned the words of Psalm 8. A God who set his glory in the heavens. A God who is so big and majestic that his name throughout the earth is praised. Out of the mouth of infants and little children, they call upon the name of the Lord and he works through them. And it's wonderful and it's terrifying. David says, when I, when I consider the heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon, the stars that you set in place, what is man? Who am I? That I'm here on this planet, this little speck, when I consider your heavens, who am I, God? God. But David says, Who am I that you are mindful of me? Who am I that you care for me? You've created us a little lower than God, you crowned us with glory and honor. You've put all things under our feet, the birds and the fish and the beasts, and you've called us to serve you on this planet, and you've given us this mantle of responsibility, God. We are nothing compared to you, and yet you've made us something. That's a lot of weight of responsibility. Yet the God of the universe who exists beyond the heavens, and even in the mouths of infants, he knows our names. He created us in his image. And he gave us a responsibility to rule and reign for him on his planet. David was a king, and so he knew what kings thought about. And when he looked at the Lord of the universe, the God of the heavens and the earth, he thought about that God in the terms of, of a king. He refers to God in Psalm 8 verse 1 as his majesty. God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. He realizes that God has a rule over all things in the universe, whether it's in the heavens above or it's here in his dominion on this planet. He has subjects and he has enemies and he has control over all things. David himself was a king. And so when David wrote those words, what is mankind that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him, it's not just about us as a people, it was about him as a king himself. God, who am I as as your son to sit on your throne, to reign over your people and rule over these people? How can I reign like you? How can I rule like you? God, I have been created in the image of God to rule over these people and this land and this dominion and to fight your enemies and to do that in your strength and in your power and in your image. But who am I to do those things? God, who am I to represent you and my family? Who am I to represent you at work, God? Who am I to rule over my family in the way that you rule over your family? God, who am I to represent you? God, you made me and you know me, but you know me. I'm nothing. And David looked upon his kingdom. One of the first things he would see would be the house of Uriah right below his balcony. Uriah, the man whose wife David slept with. Uriah, the man who he had killed in battle so that he could bring his wife into his home. David's called to represent God as a king. What kind of king does that? We get filled with this responsibility and wonder when we think that God has created us to live as his image in this world and to show the world what he is truly like, the image of the invisible God, and yet, who are we? Who are we that he cares for us? Who are we that he is mindful of us? Who are we that as we go and try to exert this dominion on the world, we, we fail and we fall and we stumble and we tarnish his image? David wrote that psalm about mankind. He also wrote it about himself. We look at that psalm and we think about ourselves. And we, when we know that when it comes to the end of the day, if it's our job to live like little gods on this planet, none of us stand a chance. That's why it's so beautiful that the God whose glory exists beyond the heavens saw fit to put on flesh and walk among us. To come into this earth and start to live out that vision of God and vision of mankind and Psalm 8. Paul says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He says that all things were created through him and for him. He says that Jesus in Jesus is before all things and in Jesus all things hold together. The Apostle John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God in the beginning. And then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The invisible God walked on our earth and gave us a picture of who God really is. And more than that, he gave us a picture of who we are really supposed to be. Jesus quotes Psalm 8 when children call out, Hosanna in the highest. The disciples say, what's what's this? And he says, don't you remember what the scripture says? Out of the mouth of children and infants will come your praise. His children are declaring the truth that Jesus is the God of the universe. The God who put on flesh and dwelt among us. The God who showed us how to exert dominion over this world. how How to represent God in this world how to live for him and look like him and love like he loves us and treat people like he treats us and exert authority the way that God exerts authority over us. Jesus gave us that beautiful picture of how we are meant to live. And and then since we are people who have messed it up, he died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the grave to new life and ascended to the throne of God in heaven. Where all things are under his feet. Where he has authority over the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. Over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Jesus rules over all things. And because of him, when our lives don't add up, we get his righteousness, we get his glory because we're in his image when we're in him. For those of us who don't know him, we may stand before creation and and find this wonder and this awe and this terror when those questions fall into our hearts about who he is and who are we. And yet for those of us who know Christ, and we look upon creation, We see the trees that tower above us. We see the storms that rage or the mountains that rise out of the ground. Or we see the birds in the air or the stars in the sky. When we wonder with this awe of the majesty of creation, our terror turns to praise because we know him. Because the God of the heavens and the earth cares for us. He minds us. He made us who we are. And so though we are very, very small, we're held in the hand of our creator. So now as you reflect on those questions of life, I wonder what questions emerge in your, in your mind. How have I been living? What am I created for? Is God really there? Will He forgive me? Those questions emerge when we get silent. In a few minutes, we'll have some moments of silence. And my encouragement for you is that you would take those thoughts and bring them to Him. And Jesus says, Cast all your anxieties on, on the one who cares for you. Stand before Him tonight and recognize that though you are very, very small in the face of a very, very big God, he is a God who knows your name, who knows the number of hairs on your head, and who wants to give you life that will never, ever end. Let's bow our heads together and spend some moments in silence before we take communion. your eyes are closed tonight maybe this is the first time you've been quiet in a long time you've been busy with your work or your words or scrambling or stress let's spend these next few seconds and sit quietly before God and ask him to reveal to us where we stand with him Father, we thank you that though we feel so small when we compare ourselves to your majesty and even your creation on this planet, you're mindful of us. You care for us. You number our days. You know the number of hairs on our heads. You hold us in your hand. For those of us who are far from you and we fear your judgment or your wrath when we think of how big you are compared to us, we think of this psalm that reminds us that your enemies are silenced out of the mouths of infants and children, that you work gently to bring us to repentance, to turn us from our wicked ways and towards the truth. And when we turn to you, you pick us up and we, you clean us off and you give us life and righteousness. We thank you for your son Jesus who though he was the ver- of very nature God did not consider equality with God to be something to be grasped but humbled himself and made himself nothing and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore you exalted him to the highest place. So that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And we pray that that would be us tonight. That we would be men and women who declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. That he is the king of kings, the God of the universe. Who died on the cross for our sins and rose to give us life. And ascended to his throne where he rules the universe. And we wait for his return. Pray that through those simple words out of the mouth of a child like me that you would take anyone in this room who are enemies of you and you would silence their wicked talk against you and draw them into your family. You'd take off their rags and replace them with your clothes of righteousness because your son died and rose on their behalf. Tonight, as we take communion, we pray that you would remind us of the night that Jesus was betrayed. As we take this bread and we eat it, that you would remind us of the body that was given for us on the cross. As we take this cup and we drink it, let us remember the blood that was shed for us to create a covenant with us that's everlasting. Irrevocable. Thank you for calling us into your family. We pray that we would walk with you and we would marvel the creation when we see it and remember that you are the one who created all things. Help us to live in that beautiful tension between terror and wonder and worship. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.